again, everybody. Hello. It was, that wasn't rhetorical, like, hello, hi. Um, it's good to be back. Um, I have had the last couple weeks uh, off from speaking. We were in England uh, to visit family uh, the beginning of May. Uh, my mom is British, in case you didn't know that, and all of her side of the family still lives there. And so we wanted to see my grandma, who's 91, and we took the family, and we had a, a great time. Appreciate all the all the prayers. I speci- appreciate Jeep uh, for speaking uh, when I was gone, and also uh, Randy last week. And today I'm here, and I'm, I'm actually I'm over jet lag, I think. Okay, but if I fall asleep, you just you just yell something like, "We want to go to lunch," and then I'll snap, I'll snap out of it. So uh, we're wrapping up a series that we started actually weeks ago. This is one of the longer series that we've done. Uh, called Epic Story. And we've been looking at the Bible and pulling out the major events, uh, the major characters, and also the major themes found in the scriptures so we could kind of take this 30,000 feet look at what the Bible is all about and what's the message that God is wanting to communicate through the Bible. And if you haven't read the Bible much and you're not exactly sure where the pieces fit, uh, this is the series that we've kind of tried to do to allow people to see what, what's kind of been God, God been up to the last few thousand years. What's he been doing as he's interacted uh, with men and women on this earth and, and what has been his plan and what has been his purpose. And so we've hoped that you've learned a lot about who God is through the series. And at the same time, we also hope that you've learned more about kind of your role on this earth. And as you dig into the scriptures, there's a part of us that it seems like it's an ancient document that can at times not really be relevant for here and now. But when you look at the scriptures thematically, and when you look at the characters specific to the life, uh, things that they face and their circumstances and the different questions they ask, more and more I find as I read the scriptures here and now, there's this pulse that goes back thousands of years to God's interaction with men and women, that's the same today. The same issues and problems are, are still in play. The same themes and the needs that we have are still there. The needs today are similar needs. The questions are similar questions. And so the Bible is actually something that, while you learn a lot about history, it's really designed to teach you about how life really works. And so I just want to review where we've been very quickly. And if you've missed any of the, the messages, you can listen online at churchinthevalley.com and you can catch up. Uh, if you've never listened online, you can actually uh, view the, the listening handout and you can listen, you can download it. And so essentially you can kind of find what you need to get caught up. And so I encourage you to do that. But I want to just briefly go through where we've been headed uh, super quick. And so we started on Easter talking about a story that resonates. We talked about Jesus and his resurrection. And the themes that we pulled out were sacrifice and redemption. And Jesus' resurrection from the death, from death, really is the most pivotal event in history and in the scriptures. And so we started there on Easter because that's what we celebrate Easter, the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Uh, The next week we talked about grand opening. We talked about creation. Uh, We talked about purpose and meaning for mankind. How do we have purpose and meaning Uh, being the ones that were created by God with a special identity. We talked about that. The next week we talked about fall apart, how sin entered the world. Despite the meaning and purpose God gave the first man and woman, they decided to rebel and do life their own way. 
And that rebellion is the same rebellion we have. We want to do life our own way as well. And so sin changed everything. But even back when sin entered the world, God began the process of trying to restore humanity again. Uh, We talked about chosen but struggling, uh, sacrifice and redemption. That was the main theme. We talked about the rescue, the importance of freedom, how we want freedom in life and God's promises and how that can bring freedom. Uh, We talked about life's battlefield, how to move forward in faith uh, despite difficulty. How do people in history, as they follow God, move past difficulties they face? Then how can we move past the difficulties we face here and now? And then leadership, uh, authority, and how is God moving history uh, by his purposes? And then last week, we kind of circled back to the theme of redemption and how God, through sending Jesus Christ, had the perfect timing for all his people to be redeemed and and really to to find hope and purpose. And so these are the major themes. There's a lot uh, in that that covers a big portion of the scriptures. And so one of the things, if nothing else, is I encourage you to to begin to read the Bible for yourself. Because it's one thing to listen to somebody talk about the Bible, but when you actually read it yourself, it begins to talk to you. And God uses that to give you instruction. And allow you to see things differently. It's like putting on a different set of glasses and all of a sudden things look different. So I encourage you to to take the time to to read that. And you can start uh, in the New Testament. You can start in the book of John or or you can start in the Old Testament. You can read Genesis for yourself and kind of read some of the events that we've talked about. But I I encourage you you to do that. So today we've been looking so much throughout this series of of looking back. Uh, But today we're going to actually look forward. And we're going to talk about the fact that God's epic story, it continues without end. And anytime you use the word epic, um, there's this connotation to that. Something that's great, something that's grand, something that is just amazing and overwhelming to us. But what you find in the Bible is that the epic story that we've been talking about and those themes, they actually don't end even here and now in the present with us. There's things that God is doing that impacts the future and ultimately impacts eternity. So that's what we're going to talk about today, eternity. And I don't know, in, in your daily life, your conversations, as you're interacting with coworkers, or you're looking at TV, or you're watching movies, or anything that which you're getting communicated with, whether it's in an interpersonal relationship or with the world around you, eternity is not something that we necessarily talk about a lot. Oftentimes it comes up in, in situations in life where, People may be passing away or, or, or death is real and people start to think, well, what, what does happen after this life wraps up? And so today I want to talk about how the epic story that we've been talking about and the themes actually connect into our view of what eternity is going to be like. And I hope with that you'll see things as they really are, even if. We haven't had a personal experience with that. And that's what eternity is. It's how do we talk about things yet to come that describe the kingdom of God with human words? It's actually difficult to do. But again, the scripture has given us some things that we can go to 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 find out about. And so we're going to be talking about the book of Revelation. Have you guys heard of that book before? Revelation. Oftentimes for Christians, that's the book like you just... You kind of go to if you want to hear like some really crazy things. Let's read Revelation. 
Whoa, did you say revelation? We're getting crazy. Because it's this, this future. It's a lot of visions, a lot of dreams. It's a lot of symbolism. And it's just this kind of book that you have to kind of really get into. You have to take the time to, to understand what it means. But it also is clear on what it says about eternity. And so we're going to read. Uh, revelation was written by the Apostle John. He was one of the original disciples. And he actually wasn't martyred for his faith. But instead, he was banished to an island off of Patmos, which is like today, Turkey. And God gave him some visions and God gave him these specific visions to record the book of Revelation. So we can have instruction of really the story that God is going to tell into the future and into eternity. And so I, I hope that this will kind of give you a little bit of sense of what is to come after this life wraps up. And this really isn't to to put fear in anyone, but to instruct that there's actually more than just here and now. And we're going to talk about what's the impact of that. And so I want to begin in, in Revelation chapter 5. And again, this is a vision of the things that are to come that we have not experienced yet. And this is what it says in Revelation 5 verse 11. You'll see it up here on the screen. It says, Then I looked and I heard around the throne, this is John talking, and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And so the lamb that was slain, that's a reference to where we started this whole series, the fact that Jesus Christ was the sacrificial lamb for all of mankind's sin. In the Old Testament, when somebody sinned, they had to sacrifice a pure lamb without blemish to pay for the penalty of sin. They messed up. So they would sacrifice this lamb to pay the price for the mess up, whatever sin it was. Well, Jesus Christ was the perfect lamb. And in the scriptures, you find this reference to this, this perfect lamb without blemish. And it's the reference towards Jesus Christ. So it's talking about worthy is the lamb that was slain. It's going back to Jesus' death on the cross. Worthy is he who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And so where we started the series, as you look into eternity, it actually goes back to Jesus Christ. Again, he is the main character. And all the past looked towards him. And now as we look to the future, it also he's in the center of it as well. And then Revelation 7, 9 through 10 goes on. And after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb, that's Jesus, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. So you see this reference again that it starts with this myriad and this multitude and this thousands of angels. And John gets this vision that the angels are worshiping Jesus. And all they can say is worthy is the lamb that was slain. His sacrifice in the end, as history and everything wraps up, it's still going to be the most important thing that's ever happened. That even the angelic beings, all they can say is worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy of our worship and our attention. 
then it switches gears as you move two chapters ahead, which I just read. Not only is that what's going to happen in the angelic beings, but the beings, it's the sense of all of humanity, the people that have decided to follow Christ will be in heaven and will be saying the same thing, worshiping Jesus Christ and what he did to restore humanity so we can have a relationship with God. So this epic story that we've been talking about and this theme of redemption and this theme of sacrifice, it continues on into eternity. You get the sense of there's every nation, every tribe, every people and language standing before the throne. This is describing God's heart for every single person that he has made on the face of the earth. And in heaven, a lot of times uh, in life, as we think about things, we think just what, what will it be like? What, what will I know? What will I remember? What will I not know? What will I not remember? And it can be so focused on just ourselves and our own experience. But what the scriptures are saying is that this is this global thing that will impact the whole world. And God's slowness in returning and sending Jesus back to wrap up history is connected to this fact. He wants as many people possible to turn their lives over to him to follow him. Because he cares not just about one nation or one people. He cares about the entire world. Every nation. Every tongue. Every people group. And he wants as many people as possible to have the chance to hear about the difference that Jesus Christ has made. The sacrifice that he made on the cross and the opportunity to decide to follow him and to turn their life over for him. So this is just representing, this is God's hope. He's slow in returning so as many people as possible can decide to follow him. So I want to just start with that, that big picture. As things wrap up, it's all going to be about worshiping God. Specifically, Jesus Christ, the Lamb who is worthy. The angels are going to be doing that. And humans, as they've decided to follow Christ and they enter heaven, that's what they're going to be doing as well. So this is vision. This is wrapped up. This is what it's all about. I don't know about you, but there's so many things that I think about in my life, so many stresses and different things and all these circumstances and all the things I'm trying to balance and weigh and figure out how to move forward. But in the book of Revelation, you get the sense when it all wraps up, how we live life is crucial to the kind of life that we're going to have. But the center of it is not going to be me and my concerns. The center of it is going to be Jesus and worshiping him. So this is perspective, like what is really important. So I want to talk a little bit about what is that actually going to look like beyond this big picture of worship? And I hope that as you di- as we dig in, you'll kind of get a little bit of perspective that provides hope for you, no matter where you are. And so God is creating a new heaven and earth for those who choose him, for those who choose to follow him. And the book of Revelation describes uh, this as well. But before that, there's this big, there's this big picture connected, uh, which represents kind of the first scripture that I ever memorized. And I grew up going to church and I went to vacation Bible school. We used to call it BBS for short. And that's where I kind of learned a lot of Bible verses. But the first Bible verse I ever learned was John 3.16. And you may not know the scriptures, but you've probably seen that sign at a game. Even today, a sporting event, people have the sign. John 3.16. So it's this like cultural icon that people have a reference for. But John 3, 16, it says this, For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not die, but have everlasting life or eternal life. And so this idea of he's creating a new heaven and earth is connected to the whole reason why he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to the world to save them. To save us. So that we will not perish, but instead have eternal life. And so as I talk about heaven, I also have to talk about the other side of eternity, which is, which is hell. And hell is a word that we use, but not in a good context, mostly. But hell is actually a place. It's an eternal place that's described in Scripture, just like heaven is an eternal place that's described in Scripture as well. But to make sense out of heaven, you also have to make sense of hell. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but hell is the place for all those beginning with Satan who decide to rebel against God. Hell was created for him and for the angels who fell from heaven to follow Satan, demons. So hell is a place that was created for Satan and the demonic. But hell is also the place of judgment for those that do not decide to follow Jesus Christ. So there's this choice in the scripture that is you decide to follow Jesus and you give your life over to him. And you experience walking with him here and now on this life. And that extends into eternity. He also gives you eternal life. Because you allowed Jesus Christ's sacrifice for your sin. You accepted that as the payment. And so you're made right before God. That's what it means to be a Christian. But for those who do not decide to follow Christ. They don't have Jesus' sacrifice as their payment. They have their own worth, their own works. And what you find is there's nothing that man can do to make himself right. That's why we need God's help. That's why we need him intervening. That's why we need Jesus. And so heaven is real and hell is real. And we have a choice into which do we decide that we really want to do life God's way. And when I was young, I'll be honest, one of my motivations for committing my life to Christ when I was young was like, spend eternity without God and there's like fire involved. Spend eternity with God and like there's like gold streets and stuff. It's like no brainer. Right? No brainer. I want the good life. I don't want to go to hell. That was like a prime like motivator in my young age. And while that that was me as just a young Christian. There is truth to the eternal destiny of every person. We all have to decide on this life. Or in this life, who we are going to live for, either ourselves or for God, and decide to follow Jesus Christ. But the decision, while it seems like it's just kind of not impactful in the here and now, it does affect eternity. But that verse, John 3.16, brings it all in perspective. He wants us to believe in him, to follow him, so that we can actually experience this new heaven and this new earth, which I'm going to describe. So each of us, have, we have a choice. Who are we going to live for? And I want to describe a little bit of what it means to follow Christ and what it means as you enter in eternity, as your life here and now wraps up, what, what does it mean will happen? Well, in Revelation, we get more description. And the first is that there will be a new heaven and earth. And that's in Revelation 21. So we're fast forwarding a little bit more. And it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, if you're John at this point, like you're getting these visions of things, but it's really hard in words to describe what you could imagine John was experiencing. He's get these visions and I've never like pictured what a holy city coming down out of heaven would look like. Like, how would you even picture that? What would it look like? How would you even describe that? This idea is this new heaven and earth and and God makes it happen. But that's not the most important part of this. The most important part is that, as it says, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. It's talking about the greatest day that we could experience a lot of times on this earth would be like a wedding day or some special event or some significance where there's this excitement that you may have never faced or experienced ever again. And it's saying in a way that God, in the relationship, he describes the church as his bride. And so God is, is creating this new heaven and new earth for his church, his, his bride. And this is going to be the greatest day when this happens. So a new heaven and earth. And it goes on further. And it describes that, that God will actually live with us. He's not just creating this new heaven, this new earth, this place. And then he just takes a step back. He actually is going to be living with us. Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. If you were here for the first uh, time we talked about creation, I think it was the second week of the series. God was interacting with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Like they're, they're walking together. There's interaction. And then they sinned and that interaction, that same proximity, it, it ended. But what the scriptures are talking about is in eternity... As God makes everything new and as he wraps up history and he comes back, we will be walking with him again. And we'll have this relationship that we've not had on this earth. We'll be walking face to face, experiencing God. And it'll be the greatest thing that we would ever know. The greatest relationship, the greatest experience. And then Revelation 21.7 says this, The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will will be my son. I was thinking about this verse as it relates to us. You know, on this earth, because of sin, there's so much brokenness. Like you can't, you can't deny that. Myself, I'm from a broken family. My parents got divorced when I was young. I have other family, my uncles and grandparents, and, and there's just there's brokenness everywhere along my family line. Divorce and with divorce comes just fragmented families and relationships and burden and guilt and, and pain and, and, and just so much stuff that's just hard to unravel. But I love how in this description you get this sense of the family line that you're a part of, which is if you decide to follow Christ, you're a part of God's family now. Like He's your father. And fellow Christians, they're your brothers and they're your sisters. There's this sense that he will be our God and we will be his children. Like There will be no more brokenness. There will be no, no, more, no more pain, no more fragmented relationships. Everything will be, be whole. There will be a unity that we do not know. There, there won't be these divisions between people. We'll be whole again. There will be unity like, like we've never known. 
No identity struggles, no rejection. So that's this idea of him walking with us. He will be our father and all the family will unify around him. Then it goes on further. There'll be no more curse. And this curse refers to when sin entered. So that's why it's, it's important to know the Bible because you can't make sense out of certain parts if you don't know what happened. And so sin entered and everything was cursed. Relationships are more of a struggle. There's a specific curse to, to men. He's going to work. And in a way, work is just going to break a man. And he's not going to get the fulfillment he wants out of it. A woman, she's going to want to lead her man, but she can't lead him because the man is supposed to lead. And there's going to be this brokenness in that relationship. And there's sickness and there's pain and there's suffering. And all this is connected to the curse. But as God wraps up history and as he comes back, and as Jesus returns, there is no more curse and this is in verse four and five it says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away that one sentence right there for the former things have passed away if you think about it that's so much of our existence here and now right to live is to experience pain we experience joy but we experience pain to live is to experience crying over things that just impact us, which weigh on us, which overwhelm us. That's just a part of being human. And with the pain, you can learn so much. And with the joy, you can learn so much. But there's a sense of, look, this is how we know it. But in that one sentence, the former things have passed away. It's pain will be no more. It will be gone. There'll be no crying. It will be gone. Now, we don't even know what what life is like without these things because they're such a normal part. And then it says, and he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. There's this idea of because this is all we know, pain and brokenness. And just not getting as fulfilled as we want. Not having the hope fully that we want here and now. There's even a sense in which we can forget this is true. But that sentence right at the end, mark this down. This is trustworthy and true. So this idea of don't lose sight of this. God will be making new things. There will be no curse. You'll have a relationship with him. And everything that you'd ever hoped, that feeling of hope will, will, will be true. You'll be experienced really for the first time. And then it goes on in the book of Revelation. And life has no end. Revelation 21.6. And it says this. And he said to me. It is done. I am the alpha and the omega. The beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give. From the spring of the water of life. Without payment. This idea of the alpha and omega. Is talking about the fact that God is an eternal God. Actually one of my kids yesterday had a question and it was like how does god exist if no one made him that's like a really good question and it's like how do you answer that well according to the scriptures he's the alpha which is like the beginning and he's the omega which is the end it's just the idea of like he's always been And he will always be. 
He's the uncreated one. No one created him. He has always been. But I don't even have a category for that. What this means is God himself is eternal. So he already knows everything that's happened and will happen and how everything's going to wrap up. So his vantage point is unlike ours. He's not held by time and space. He's outside of it. And then it's like, whoa, is this like interstellar? No, it's even like bigger than that. Right? He's the beginning and end. Everything started with him. Everything ends with him. Again, he's the center of the story. And so this, this idea of life, life has no end really speaks again to the curse because with the curse came death. But once Jesus returns and history's wrapped up and we enter eternity, whether it's in heaven or whether it's hell, it goes on forever. Forever. That's what eternity is. And so God gave John this revelation to give a picture of the story that has been told is connected to the story that is yet to come. And that's the story of eternity. And for all of us, we need to make sure that we're living our life with eternity in view. I want to talk about that a little bit. If you've lived life, and we all have mixed backgrounds, we have mixed experiences, but if you've lived your life like I have, and there's a sense in which it's not worked out like you thought, or it's just not been as easy as you thought, or it's not been as joyous as you thought, or it's just been quicker than you thought, or it's been longer than you thought, whatever your view of your life on this earth, it actually is not meant to be the most fulfilling thing. Because it's actually not everything. There is a life to come. This is the hope for Christians. As things don't work out exactly how we thought here and now, we know that God in his righteousness, the fact that he's going to act rightly, and in his justice, and in his love, and in his mercy, he is going to wrap everything up, and he's going to make everything right. As things are not made right here and now, you have hope. If this life is all we have and it's over, then what do you do with disappointment? What do you do with brokenness? There's actually no hope because it's over. And this was it. But in the scriptures, God is giving this this other picture that this is just a taste of the life to come. But the good we experience here will be so much better. And the bad we experience here will actually be non-existent for all those who decide to follow Jesus. Because everything will be made new. There will be no more pain. So we're supposed to live in view of this. Like we don't have to just put our whole hope and existence in the here and now. Because God will make everything right in the next life. The other thing is. If you're a Christ follower, and this is specific to you, if you've not yet decided to follow Christ, this doesn't pertain to you. So you can take a little power nap, okay? But we should be telling people about Jesus Christ because of eternity. That should be the motivation for sharing our faith. Because eternity puts everything in a perspective. It's not just about the here and now. We want people to be able to experience walking with God face to face, free of curse, free of pain, in eternity forever. 
Because we don't want anyone to experience the pain and the loss of not knowing God forever. So it should motivate us to share, to tell people. And if you are not a follower of Christ and you wonder, why do people share their faith? And sometimes it could be like, why do they kind of get into my space? And why do they ask me questions where I've got to answer and things that kind of seem personal? It's because this is true. And real to those who follow Christ. This makes a difference. And God is slow in returning so that all will come back and follow him. So this epic story has themes here and now that relate to life. But it also gives us this picture of the life to come. And we don't have to put all of our eggs in this basket of life knowing that if we follow God, And not everything turns out exactly like we thought. We know that he's going to do right. And he's going to come back and he's going to restore that which is broken. That's beautiful. There's nothing more hopeful than that. But it all starts with, well, what do do we do with our life? How do we choose to live it? What do we live for? And so I hope that you'll consider, even now, what... Is kind of my view of my own life. Is it just about the here and now? Or is it like one eye on here and now and then also just there's this glimpse of eternity which I have to keep in mind. So I, I encourage you uh, to do that. As I wrap up, I'm running out of time so I'm going to kind of speed up here. But as, as I wrap up in the New Testament as well, you find the promise of heaven can change our outlook here and now. And that's found in Second Peter 3. And I just want to read that and I'm going to close with this. And then it says this, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. All this to say, when you start talking about eternity, sometimes you, all you can focus is on when is it going to be wrapped up? I have no idea. The scriptures say Jesus return will be like a thief in the night. Thieves don't want to be known. You don't know when they're coming. We don't know when Jesus is going to return. It could be tomorrow. It could be thousands of years. Then it goes on, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. Like, God, please make everything right. God, please come back. We could find ourselves desperate. But he's not slow. His timing is exactly what it should be. But he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You see that same theme. It's the John 3. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And it goes further in verse 11. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness waiting for and hastening the coming, the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. And then there's verse 13. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So that scripture is written to people that have just tried to have a glimpse of the life to come, just like we have today. We begin to think, God, when is this all going to happen? And people write books like I was in the library once when I was in college, like the world is going to wrap up in like 2012. You know, like that's the title, like 
It's not the greatest title, but the world is going to wrap up in 2012. And I was sitting there, I was like, wow, that's like not that long. But that's like 2016. So we don't know. So the point is, don't focus on when he's going to return. Focus on the kind of people we should be until he returns. And that's what this verse is talking about. It's this idea of being God-referenced, holiness, in view of him, in view of the truth of what he said in the scriptures, we're going to live a certain way. And that includes telling people about Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that can offer them new life here, but even more importantly, new life in the life to come in eternity. So I want to encourage you, wherever you are, there's a sense in which we don't talk about this that much. But this is really what it's all about. Our destiny. What we live for and where we're headed. So I encourage you to to think of this for yourself. Think of this like, how does this impact what you do? How does it impact what you think about? If you've never decided to follow Jesus Christ, is this something that, that you need to consider and take seriously? Like, if this is true, what does that mean for you? So I encourage you to think about that. If you are a Christ follower, how can this motivate you to get around people to share the difference that Jesus makes? So I encourage you to think about that as well. Uh, there's some next steps on your connection card. You can pull out your connection card. We're going to receive our offering. I'm going to invite the band back up. As I wrap up, as we receive our offering, you can drop that completed connection card in there. If you've not yet filled it out, go ahead and do that. There's some next steps that you can take on there. Uh, The first one is for the first time I accept Jesus as my Savior and will follow him as my Lord. When you make that decision, your eternal destiny has now changed. And every person has to decide what will they do with following Jesus Christ. Uh, the second is, as I deal with blank, so something you're facing, could be a relationship, could be a circumstance, could be something that's just really hard. As I deal with this, I will choose a godly response because of my hope. So even as things are broken, realize like, okay, God, this isn't it. This isn't the whole picture. You will work this out, even if it's in eternity. And then the third is begin a plan to read uh, through the Bible for yourself. Uh, We hope that you've been able to kind of gain some of the themes of the scriptures. But again, nothing replaces reading it. And so if you go to this this website, uh, BibleGateway.com and slash reading plans, you can find a ton of scripture reading plans just where you can begin to get familiar with the scriptures yourself. And so you just might want to start read it like 10 minutes a day for a week. Just read the Bible 10 minutes a day for a week. Read one of those plans. You can go to Uversion. It's an app on the iPhone or Droids. And you can find plans there. But just begin. Just I'll read 10 minutes a week and see, see what I learn. So I encourage you to do that. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the fact that you have thought about everything. You are the creator, but you're also the solver of problems. You're the architect, the engineer, uh, the redeemer, the physician. You make everything right. You heal. You restore. You build. And there is none like you. 
And so, God, I pray that wherever we are here and now, you'll just give us just a brief glimpse of what we've talked about today in eternity. And may it challenge just what we do with our time and our attitude. And I pray for anyone in here that's not yet decided to to follow you. God, will you just really speak to their heart and just give them this, this, this need for you that they've never had before. Give them a picture of the hope that they can find in you and you alone. So I pray your Holy Spirit will work. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.